From Collab Inc., it's There to Hear, a show about entrepreneurs, innovators, and investors and the impact they seek to make on the world. I'm Ryan Dye, Executive Director of Collab, and on today's show, we talk with Kevin Alushala, cellist, rapper, record producer, singer, songwriter, and along with Kirsten Maldonado, Scott Hoing, Mitch Grassi, and Matt Salee, is the beatboxer for the Grammy-winning a cappella group, Pentatonix. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's crazy to hear all that because sometimes I'm just like, I, I'm just a musician. I just like making music. So <laughs> that's just like well, a I, crazy thing to hear. It, well, it took a it was kind of hard to narrow it down. So uh, that was the best I could come up with. But uh, you've, you've got an <laughs> incredible background uh, as a professional musician myself. I have a great appreciation for your background, uh, having started your musical training at an early age, I did as well, um, and you started with piano, cello, alto saxophone, and were heavily involved in uh, music throughout your education, uh, winning competitions, touring with wind ensembles, marching bands, jazz bands, orchestras, and even performed at Carnegie Hall more than once. Uh, you know, as the saying goes, uh, how did you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, of practice. Of uh, you must have practiced a lot. Uh, however, once you got to Yale University, music was not your intended career path. Uh, what were your initial plans? Um, my initial plans was to be a doctor. Um, I went there. I was an East Asian studies major. So I was studying Chinese and I was also pre-med. So my whole thought was that I was going to be um, a doctor that lived in China, did cultural diplomacy work because of the music side of me, but then also did a lot of missionary work there, too. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, they um, have an incredible program at Yale. I have a friend who did medical school at Yale and really, really liked it a lot. Oh, nice. You've been credited with developing the art of beatboxing, or cello boxing, I should say, playing cello and beatboxing simultaneously. And your cello boxing version of Mark Summers' Julio went viral on YouTube in 2011. How did that connect you to Pentatonix? Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, I love that piece so much. It was the first piece as I was starting to kind of develop this art that made me figure out how to play my cello musically in addition to add a beat that had to also be musical at the same time. Previous to that, right. I was just kind of doing beats with the beatboxing and just some sort of simple groove on the cello. So it was really hard. And, and what people don't know about that, a lot of people say, oh, he just put it up and then all of a sudden you, you know, had all the success. You mm -hmm. know, I worked on that piece for about a year sure. to really get it down. So the video went on up April, uh, sometime in April of 2011. And lo and behold, I got a text the next day from a friend that said, do you know that your video is number four on Reddit? And I was like, what are you talking mm. about? Um, and so I was getting hundreds of thousands of views. And at that time, you know, that was pretty viral for YouTube since it was in its early days. And what happened was I got two messages, one from a guy named Ben Bram, who is our producer as the band, but he was also a producer on the TV show, The Sing Off. Mm. And he had called me while I was uh, doing work as a practice monitor at the Yale School of Music. He called me randomly and said, hey, uh, you know, I'm part of this group called The Sing Off. We want to actually have you be part of one of the teams on this TV show. And I right. said, okay, thanks, bye, hung up, because I was like, this is not real. Um, and then he called me again. I was like, how do you have my number? And he said he got it from one of the guys on the sing-off previously, because the Whiff and Poofs, which is the Yale group, was on mm -hmm. the show. 
Right. So he said, yeah, we'd really love for you to do it. And I was like, okay, whatever, maybe let me think about it. And then I got a message from Scott Hoying is who's one of the band members. And he said, I would love for you to be part of it. Um, you know, I don't have any money, but I can pay for half your ticket to go to uh, meet us. And so I said, you know what? Why not? I, I was about to go to music school for a couple of years before I started trying to do medical school stuff. So I said, you mm -hmm. know what? This will be a good, fun thing to do. Why not? Um, and so I graduated. Um, and then immediately after I graduated from college, I met them maybe two weeks later, the day before the audition of the TV show. Wow. And it was like magic happened. Like we sang and we just kind of had this sound from the from the beginning that all of us were so confused by just the first time we sang. And it just kind of led to us being on the TV show and then winning the TV show. Wow, that's incredible. Talk about uh, how stars align at a moment. <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, I at mean, the last I minute, I like, guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nuts. I it, It's something that I still can't believe happened. But, you know, as... You know, I, I would say it's Providence because so many things had to happen for this this to be even possible. So it's just for sure. It's, I'm, I'm thankful. Yeah, that's incredible. So pentatonics do a good deal of cover versions of pop music. And uh, I'm going to be honest, and this is no disrespect to the original artists, but I think your versions are often better than the original. Oh. Oh, that's very <laughs> right. and, and it's just my opinion, of course. But I think what's amazing is there's quite a process obviously that has to go into deconstructing a piece of music and go, okay, now we're going to, we're going to put this into four or five voices acapella and still kind of get that energy and, and vibe of the music without the instrumentation. Right. Uh, I would imagine that's a process. How, how do you, how do you, where do you start in that? <laughs> well, you know what? That's a very good question. Normally we sit together in a circle and literally just start throwing ideas, you know, on sure. almost like a like a, if there was a whiteboard for music that we just throw our ideas out and see what hits. Mm -hmm. And from there, we just kind of discuss the outline. You know, we get a very basic outline, but we know, you know, the cool thing is that we're five very, very different people. So mm -hmm. as we're talking about these things. What's nice is that if we all like an idea, we believe that a lot of other people are going to like it too because we mm -hmm. all have very different musical backgrounds. So we'll just kind of throw ideas out, but it usually starts with me adding some sort of beat and they'll be inspired by that. The bass singer starts to add his part to see if it actually works with my beat. And then we usually figure out who's going to do the melody depending on... Um, you know, if it's if it's a song for you know for a girl, then maybe you know Christy will do it, or you know if it has really 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 high parts, maybe Mitch will be that do that part. You know, sure. So we just kind of figure out who does the melody, and then usually figuring out the background parts is is a little bit easier because there's only two other harmonies you have to add. Sure. Uh, so we just kind of follow that process, and then we go back and just try to see how we can add moments to the piece, moments where people go, "Oh my gosh, did you see them do that?" Or "Whoa, I can't right. believe that just happened." So something that's you know, a little unique. Yeah, or yeah exactly. Yeah. Something that only vo voices could do that makes sure. it super different and different from what you'll get from the original. Yeah. I would imagine you might have the experience where you're working on a song and you, you maybe you get partway into it and realize, you know, this this one just may not work to do acapella or we're not quite finding the right, you know, pieces here. Uh, is that a something you've encountered? That's very fair to say. We've definitely encountered that. Um, we there are two songs I think about. We tried um, "Madness" by Muse, yes, and it. I mean, it's a wonderful song. Totally. It's just that for acapella, it just didn't work very well because there was kind of a repetitiveness that we felt like didn't work for our personal style. 
that we couldn't figure out the interesting contours that would make the song for us be reimagined in a way that people would like it. So mm-hmm. we stopped doing that one. And then um, I think I Knew You Were Trouble by Taylor Swift. Sure. That's one we tried. That like We tried it every which way, but we just could not <laughs> figure out how we could put our unique spin on it. So we were like, I, it's time to give that one up. So we'll, t- we'll just it leave it to happens. Taylor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll just let Taylor, you know, take the original. It That's works right. great for her. So have you had artists who, you know, hear you do one of their songs and, and say, Oh man, I really love your version or, or, Oh man, I'm irritated. Pentatonix did one of my songs or. No, I don't know. It, it's cool. <laughs> it's actually been really positive. Like Pharrell's mm-hmm. reached out before. Um, who else? Uh, Gautier reached out. Actually, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Our arranger and producer, Ben Bram, he was at a bar and Gautier came up to him and said, hey, I'm Gautier. I just heard y'all's cover version of <laughs> of, uh, of my song, somebody that I used to know, and I love yep. it. And so that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had a few people reach out, which has been super, super exciting for us. Yeah, that would be neat. Well, and some songs, I think, lend themselves to you know, taking it and being really creative. That particular song, someone that I used to know, I think I've heard a few different versions of that. Um, by different groups and they're yeah. all different and unique and like, yeah, wow, it's a great take on that. Song. Completely, completely. So uh, I think that's a testament to good songwriting, honestly. And uh, I agree. You know, my hat's off to the songwriters for that, for sure. Completely. How did you get interested in beatboxing of all things? That's, you know, having this musical training and upbringing, you know, and all these different instruments. That's a pivot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, if there's so many people th- that thought that I thought I was going to be doing beatboxing for my life. And I'm like, absolutely not. This is the furthest thing I could have ever thought to do. Um, I just always was making sounds with my mouth. I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily know it was beatboxing. Right. I just was making sounds all the time, experimenting. And my parents would be, you know, they'd be driving and I'm in the back seat doing this. And my dad would just always often like look at me and be like, shut up. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I'm driving. He'd be so ticked. Um, <laughs> But then I actually went to boarding school at a place called Phillips Academy in Andover, Mass. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, I was, you know, making these sounds just for fun because I normally do it. And a guy came to me and said, you know what you're doing is called beatboxing, right? And I'm like, I don't don't know what that is. And then he showed me some beatboxers and I was like, that's cool. I I didn't know there was something more, you know, concrete. And he said, I'm actually part of an acapella group on campus. I'd actually love for you to come and maybe use some of your sounds for what we're doing. So mm. I recorded you know, their album for them using my beatboxing. And I was like, that's really, really cool. But then I never did acapella again because I was like, I don't know. It's not for me. Kind of cheesy. Nah, I'm not going to. And that's even when they asked me to be part of the TV show because I'd seen four years of Yale acapella. And I I mean, kudos to that. And I love it. But for me, I was like, ah, I just don't think I want to do this. Who knew yeah. that it was going to be my profession? I <laughs> It still confuses me today, but it's what? awesome. I love it. Well, in somewhere, that group from Phillips Academy is probably saying, how did we let that guy go? And the Pentaton- <laughs> and Pentatonix picked him up. <laughs> That's so, so funny. <laughs> so I, I saw an interview you did uh, on NBC News where you were asked to do some short beatboxes based on a scenario. Oh, uh, my I thought that gosh. Was incredibly yeah, I remember creative. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm wondering if you'd be willing to... Uh, oblige us with something similar yeah, just that'd for be a moment super fun because <laughs> i thought that was it was a great way to show kind of what you do and just a snippet you know yeah sure I'm so down. so here was here was the list that she came up with so here's the scenario waiting in long line for coffee awesome <laughs> something like that <laughs> 
Running to catch the bus, you're late for work. Oh, shoot. Uh, like... <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you want to chat up a cute girl in class. Oh, I remember this one. This is like... <laughs> I remember that one. That was like yeah. a, yeah. And then lastly, um, things didn't go well with this girl. You've had heartbreak and you just went through a breakup. Oh, I remember this was like. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, thanks for sharing that with us. Of course. It, it gave so us a great, funny. just a snippet of what you, that's what you so funny. I love that. <laughs> Um, so you're part of this acapella super group. Uh, you've, you've won the sing off recording contract several albums later. Um, you've done world tours, uh, and you've experienced success, which is, it's a wonderful thing. But with that success comes a great deal of responsibility. Oh, sure. Uh, there sure, are sure. countless stories of musicians who get that big contract, uh, and experience fame and it destroys their life. Uh, sure. because they don't understand, you know, small print on a contract or how to handle money, uh, and the fame. Did those thoughts grow through your mind, uh, that, Hey, we've made it now. <laughs> now what? <laughs> well, you know, uh, let me approach it this way. So when we won the TV show, I think a lot of people think that the ascent immediately after that is going to be super quick, just cause now sure. you have this fan, you have this fan base from this TV show, all the stars have aligned. I think the thing that we realize is that this is definitely not going to be an easy road just by the fact that 30 days after we won the TV show, we got dropped immediately. Mm. Yeah, people don't know that. We got dropped. We had a contract with a Sony record label, mm -hmm. and they said, listen, we've never seen any precedent of, of an acapella group making it in the mainstream. So right. we just rather would, you know, give y'all, like, kind of get y'all off the contract and... We'll see how you guys do on your own. Thanks, but so no thanks. for us, I mean, thankfully, that was great because the contract was terrible. It was yeah. really bad towards us. Sure. So we, it was actually like we didn't see it as a blessing at the time because we were mm. new, very green into the industry. But totally. our manager said, you guys have no idea what kind of blessing this is. Now you guys get to figure out what yeah. you are. And you can utilize that fan base to start to grow something of yourself and, and make it really, truly authentic to you without some sort of label or group telling you how to do things. Exactly. So that's when we just kind of moved into certain apartments. I mean, we all lived in one apartment complex in LA mm -hmm. and just started to get together every single day arranging songs. We were working on our first album. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I'm so happy for that because then once we finally built up the success that we had and showed growth potential through YouTube and then eventually kind of showed kind of product market fit, if you will, through having a, a Christmas single do really well, which was right. Little Drummer Boy. When record labels came to us, we already had all the success, thankfully, to back kind of to back up our claim saying that you're going to have to give us a great contract. And, you know, we have an amazing one. I'm thankful. And our record label is really, really wonderful. They've done so much great work with us. And so it, it, I'm so thankful for the right. ups and downs that we've had because it's, I mean, definitely gave us kind of thicker skin, tougher armor, and right. we know how to conduct ourselves better in business. Yeah. I could see that being beneficial because sometimes you get excited and think, oh, we've, we've made it here. We're going to get a contract. And like you said, uh, <laughs> it may not be a good one. <laughs> yeah, it uh, may not be a good one. You don't one. understand that at the time. So No, that's, 100%. It may not be a yeah. good one or just, you know, the fact that you don't realize that this is going to be a much like you getting the contract is just the beginning. 
Right. Absolutely. It's the beginning. It's only the beginning. Now you have to put in the work to still make the success. And I think sometimes people feel like, oh, I'm just going to let the record label take over. You still have to make sure that this is authentically you and that you're steering the ship. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got to have that. Uh, you've got to hold some cards <laughs> Yeah, uh, in that process for sure. So you, you've done um, some independent projects. I understand an album is coming out or has come out here oh yeah so i'm quick. working right now on a project i mean i'm working on i've been working on original music for a long time but um i'm putting out a project of cover songs that have just always influenced me throughout the mm -hmm. like throughout time and i think it was a really great way to showcase first and foremost my voice because you know i never i don't usually sing in pentatonics right. because i'm beatboxing and there's nobody else that can beatbox so it would be a great way to showcase that but also kind of how i think of arranging how i think about music productions kind of the mm -hmm. sonics that really influence me utilizing my cello and my instrumentation in you know kind of different ways right. and it's been super fun so yeah i'm really really excited for that project to come out yeah and what's it called it's called the don't let me be misunderstood ep awesome by the way i love your solo cover of michael jackson's human nature that's one oh of my thanks favorites. man i appreciate that uh you're, I mean, you've done several of these where you're, you're a one-man band. You're doing keyboard, percussion, vocals, back vocals, yeah, uh, yeah, cello. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole gamut. And it's so incredible because you can see these on YouTube and watch you do it, which I think is part of the excitement of the song. Um, and I definitely encourage listeners to check it out uh, because it's, it's just an amazing thing. And uh, again, as a musician, I'm so impressed by, by all the different things you're doing and how you're utilizing technology. And so I, I hear that song and I'm like, man, that is an incredible cover of that song. It's just it's oh, fantastic. Thank you. So uh, way to go. We're looking forward to uh, hearing, hearing your album as well. Thank you. Um, another project that you've done recently is a YouTube series called Where Music Lives with Kevin Alushala. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So there is this incredible nonprofit organization that I have the pleasure of working with called From the Top. And they're an organization that takes the kind of the best young classical musicians in the country and showcases mm -hmm. them on NPR. Um, I did the program whenever I was a high school student. Um and I loved them so much and I loved the opportunity that they gave to allow students to think broadly about what a music career could look like. Right. Um, even because there's so many talented students, but there, there's some that might not be thinking about what music should be in their life in terms of a career. So they kind of at least open that up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I loved it and I wanted to be a part of, you know, what they do as, you know, as, you know, Pentatonix has had the success. Right. And so we talked about a project that we could work with and it was music. It was, you know, the series that we did together. Um, and for us, you know, we wanted to, you know, instead of bringing kids to Boston where they kind of showcase them on NPR, we wanted to go to where they are, right? To their, you know, see their authentic backgrounds, see, you know, where they grew up and how they think about music, where they are, and mm -hmm. and tell their story a little bit, which has been super fun, super nice. That it really is that classical music or really any type of music can come from anywhere, especially because you know we have technology to allow us to showcase that musical gift that so many people have now. Absolutely. How are there, have there been a couple seasons of that or is it just a, it's a new series, correct? That it's just a new series that we started. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, we're still figuring out the next steps for it, um, mm -hmm. but it was kind of just like a, a pilot, if you will, something that we just wanted to try and see, sure. you know, how people would react. And, it, and it's been nice to see that the reaction's been so, so overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive. 
Absolutely. Well, and again, you highlight some incredibly talented young musicians. And I, one in particular that I enjoyed watching was, um, I'm not going to remember his name, unfortunately, but the concert pianist and concert violinist wrapped oh, into one. Ray, Ray Ushikubo. <laughs> yes. And yes. that, I mean, that floored me because it takes so much talent and skill to develop, you know, being a, doing um, concertos with orchestras as a, right. as a soloist uh, on any instrument, let alone right. two. And that, that blew me away because that's a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, no, that guy is absolutely insane. Yeah. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, how do you do all that practicing? And he, he told me in the interview, he goes, yeah, yeah if, if I have a full day to myself, I'll practice eight hours a day, four on one instrument, four on the other. And I'm like, who? Who has the time? I'm like, I like even me as a musician, I'm still working always to make sure I have time to practice just an hour every single day. And I make sure I have that time just to have that and continue my skills. But like he's doing like four, eight, like four hours on two instruments. I was like, my gosh, man, that's it's incredible. I'm, I'm so inspired by that. Yeah. Well, the, the dedication and focus is evident for sure. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So. As a Christian, your faith is a very important part of who you are and has a profound impact on what inspires you as a musician. Um, you've started a ministry called Imagine LA Community uh, yeah. that you describe as for dreamers, entrepreneurs, young professionals about how faith is relevant in their lives. Uh, can you share a bit more about, about that ministry? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, a few years ago, I, I, me and some friends kind of had this thought that, you know, being in Los Angeles is an amazing place. It's the social mm -hmm. creative capital of the world. It's this place where dreamers and entrepreneurs, you know, creatives, they come here because they have this dream, they have these gifts. But what if they realize that that gift and that dream had a deeper purpose to their life, right? That, you know, there was more that, that we're more than what we do. Right. There's mm -hmm. a deeper purpose to that. Uh, and maybe faith is a part of that conversation for them. And so we just kind of wanted to create a safe space for people to kind of learn how faith and that biblical context might be relevant in their lives as dreamers. Because I think sometimes church I, I've seen or, the, you know, other communities, they'll look at these people and think they're kind of weird or outliers because they're right. thinking about things in a very gray area and not everything's black and white. Mm -hmm. Well, and my thing is, you know, God was never a black and white God. He thought mm -hmm. in the gray. He thought within the context of, 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 of contextualizing things for other people so that they mm -hmm. can understand who he is. And I think a lot of creators want to do that and, and they need a safe space to think, how can they do that? safely but make sure that their faith is intact right so that's that that's why we do that it's been super fun we've been meeting on friday nights over zoom um mm -hmm. and they've been really really good i mean it's usually 60 plus people from all these different countries where we come together and talk about these these kind wow. of ideas that's fantastic so it allows for um, a great space to to share thoughts and connect and communicate especially in was we're in a pandemic period and it's hard for yeah. people to we're not able to get together um you know we're, we're adjusting to that uh reality at the moment but does uh does this normally do you get together in the la area in a particular place or just uh, generally connect 
online. So so normally we would do it every other Friday in L.A. in Culver City. Mm -hmm. um, but when the pandemic happened, we had to switch, like, quickly switch and pivot to Zoom, sure. as a lot of places yeah. have. And so it's been funny. That's kind of where we've been starting to see our boom. Normally we would have 15 to 20 people right. being able to talk about things. But now, you know, like I said, the first one we did and now it's consistently been, you know, over 60 people. The first time we had four different countries. The last one we had, it was like six or seven different countries that were represented oh, as we're talking about these kind of issues and faith. And it's been cool. It's It's, it's been great to see these people... You like I, I never knew that faith or God or Jesus could even be a part of this conversation in my mm. life. And, and it's been really wonderful to see kind of kind of people's ideas of faith break down a little bit so that right. they can be maybe more open to what God has for them. That's wonderful. Sounds like a, a great opportunity to share authenticity. <laughs> and Yeah, uh, exactly. And, it's been really you know, wonderful. Yeah, that's excellent. So, <clears throat> Kevin, there's no doubt in my mind that you've been... Uh, you were put on this earth uh, to do what you're doing, and that's to bring joy and inspiration to people through music. Um, I believe the spirit of entrepreneurship calls us to be bold, try new things, uh, take chances, and be passionate about what you do, regardless of the discipline. Yeah, um, that said, what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur in the early days of their journey? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, we talk about this at Imagine LA Community that the first thing that we have to do is understand the unique things that we personally can do that's only to us, right? Mm. Those things that just kind of come naturally to us, the way we think about stuff, cultivating those kind of you know idiosyncrasies that we have. Because some people say, oh, that's weird. Maybe that's the thing that God has called you to use to do such incredible things that open people's mind to what creativity actually looks like. Right. So I would say that's the very first thing. Just cultivate those idiosyncrasies, those nuanced things that you could do, those unique gifts and talents that only you can do. And then the second thing is always strive to do it excellently. Um, I think mm. sometimes in this YouTube age or this Internet age, people feel like fame is something that anybody can get. You know, nice. with Instagram, with Twitter, right? But it, you still have to make sure that it's done excellently, that you're not just doing something for the video, but you're cultivating a, a, a talent so that when people ask you to do it, you know, on in concert, you can actually still reproduce that, right? right. So just make sure that you're doing it very excellently, that the product is really, really wonderful um, so that people are really um, inspired by what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, and then also, I would just always say, this is just me, get enough rest. Because sometimes they feel like in this in this industry, you're supposed to be staying up late every single night, working hard, blah, blah, blah. It's like, sleep. Just just, just sleep well. You'll right. be able to be more creative in the morning. I promise. Your head will work better when you got that creative juice firing. So just sleep. <laughs> Good advice regardless. <laughs> exactly. Should, just Everyone 100%. should do that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that insight. I know... I think, again, thinking as a musician, when I was younger, I had, I taught privately and taught several different piano students. And I know often I would talk to um, my students and their parents because I would have people come up to me after I'd played for something. And they would often say, I used to study music. Well, they'd say I quit. And they would say, I sure wish I hadn't. I've never heard someone say I quit. And I sure glad I did. Right. Never had anyone tell me that. And the reason I share that story is because I think that um, 
whether it's being a musician or you're trying to be, uh, you know, an expert in golf or whatever it may be, that's a skill, for example, that takes practice and time and dedication. I think that's so applicable in whatever someone might do in life because it teaches you perseverance and that right. when something's challenging, it takes time to get there to a point where you feel like, wow, I feel good about what I'm producing here because it's of high quality. I mean, you completely talked about that. And I think that, um, again, if someone's pursuing business or, um, a career in a particular field, you know, find, find something that maybe isn't in that field that that's a skill set that requires you to practice or completely. to dedicate some time to getting better at it completely. Because I think that kind of cross over to anything else you're doing. Like, I know this will take me time to get better and I'm going to use that tenacity in everything I do in life and that perseverance. So that's my two cents. No, uh, I completely agree. That. I mean, I think you touched on two things. It was like, you know, find something that somebody else isn't doing, find your niche and hone in on that niche in a way mm -hmm. that people say, Oh, I, that's the only person that can do that's crazy. I love what they're doing. That's amazing. You know, I think right. that's the story of pentatonics. It's, it's, you know, and it took a lot of practice. I mean, I mean, sure. the times that we were practicing so much for the TV show, because we only we were doing weekly episodes. I mean, so, you know, we had to figure out the arrangement. Yeah. Practice the arrangement, practice the choreography with the arrangement yep. and then practice just the TV show, eth yep. you know, aesthetics as well. That the clock is working them. against you the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just like you, you know, but like as you get better, you're going to get faster in certain right. things. And so, you know, it's just it, it takes a lot of work. But if you love it. And you'll, you'll, you'll dedicate yourself to it. Well, it's rewarding. It's worth it. Yeah. 100% in any type of entrepreneurship for sure. Completely. Uh, well, I just to touch on, I know you, um, as it says on, I think on, uh, some information about you that you've pioneered cello boxing. I would imagine you're probably the only person who does that. <laughs> Do you know you anyone know else who does cello no, boxing? There are people that I've been seeing, like I, there were people that actually kind of like, cello box before me but i think i just kind of took it and tried to make it even more solidified in a way because what i would see were people doing kind of like beats and like grooves and stuff and i'm like that's right. how i started but then i wanted to i really wanted to make it feel more like an art piece something right. where you say oh wow i could listen to a full song just mm -hmm. like this without anything else so that's what i was trying to do and i you know i've done that a couple of times i wrote original music for it i just did an original song with looping for our last tour you know it was so cool to it's, it's been fun to just explore, you know, how do you make this something? And, you know, there were flute boxers also like Greg Patillo, who was amazing. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. So and it's been cool to see other people, you know, come up and, and, and try to do that with maybe their instrument, piano or, sure. you know, violin. So it, it, it's cool to see those people do, do what they're doing. And, and I'm, if I could have any you know, influence on that, I'm happy about that. Well, you've paved the way of inspiring folks to do it. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Kevin, thanks so much for taking time to uh, talk with us today. We wish you well, and we'll check in on how things are going in the weeks to come. Thank uh, you. Kevin is out there on all the various platforms. So honestly, folks, just Google him. <laughs> you'll you'll find all <laughs> kinds sure. of great. You'll find all Completely. kinds of great content uh, and hours of awesome music, interviews, information. Um, it, just fascinating, and and we certainly look forward to keeping track of all that you're doing. Uh, 
personally and, and what Pentatonix are up to. And I know that uh, as we're in this uh, challenging time of a pandemic and you're not touring, uh, hopefully those days will return when uh, you can get out there and uh, share your music with folks all over the world. That'd be wonderful. I hope so too. I really, really appreciate that. And I forgot to say, if you guys also wanted to follow the stuff we're doing on Imagine LA community, just go to at Imagine LA community on Instagram. You can find out all the information about our ministry, when we start to do um, our Bible studies, all those kind of things. We'd love to have people over, especially for the community. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. We'll definitely check it out for sure. Thanks for listening to There to Hear. We invite you to check us out on all the various social media platforms and visit our website, collabinc.org, to sign up for information on our many upcoming events and the various ways we help promote the spirit of entrepreneurship. If you have comments on today's episode or know someone who would be a great guest on our show, send your suggestions to ryan at collabinc.org, and we'd love to hear from you. Special thanks to our producer, Michael Weberly, editing by Tanya Musgrave and all the Colab staff. Until next time, be well and God bless. Mm-hmm.